Welcome into the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. I'm your host, Rob Warner, and today's episode continues a series of off-season interviews Sun Devil Source publisher Chris Cartman has recently conducted with Arizona State football coaches. Today, you'll hear his interview with Arizona State defensive line coach Robert Rodriguez. Rodriguez is entering his first season with the Sun Devils under head coach Herm Edwards. He joined the program after being an assistant defensive line coach for the Minnesota Vikings. He was with the NFL team for five seasons, and prior to that, Rodriguez served as the linebacker's coach for seven seasons at UTEP. As the team transitions from a 3-3-5 scheme utilized under former defensive coordinator Danny Gonzalez to a 4-3 led by co-defensive coordinators Antonio Pierce and Marvin Lewis, junior defensive linemen Jermaine Lole and redshirt freshman defensive lineman Stephon Wright are moving inside to play three technique instead of the defensive end positions they played previously. In this podcast, Rodriguez explains why his style of teaching that was honed during his time with the Vikings is different than many college defensive line coaches. He also describes what the transition has been like coming from the NFL to working with Edwards. All these topics and more will be discussed in this episode. The voice you hear next is Cartman, followed by Rodriguez. Okay, here with Coach Rob Rodriguez. Coach, how we doing? Man, I'm doing good, man. About as good as you can do. We've been in the same building forever. Absolutely. <laughs> now, uh, I know that you uh, were in Minnesota. I don't know if you still are, but... Uh, yes, I am. Yep. What, what's that, what's that kind of process been like? And as, as a part of that, the what are the kind of maybe the pros and cons to recruiting in the current kind of circumstances that we're in? You know, I don't know if there's any pros really. Um, you know, one of the cons is, you know, I am operating on um, Arizona time, even though I'm living in central time. And so I'm two hours, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I got two young kids. I got a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And they wake up with the juice every morning. And so I ain't sleeping past 6, which is 4 o'clock Arizona time. So all my meetings and so forth are are based on Arizona time. And so I've been up for hours by the time we get everything going. Uh, So that's kind of a con, I guess. But, you know, one of the pros is I'm a little bit closer, I guess, to the East Coast recruits. So I'm more accessible to those guys at certain hours of the day. Um, so, I mean, it goes back and forth. I, I really don't think there's there's a lot of advantages to what we're doing. Um, but one of the things, me being back here as opposed to living in an Airbnb or a hotel out in Arizona, is I get to come downstairs to the basement and have a bit of an office space so I can function like a coach for most of the day. Yeah. Is it the case, do you think, that uh, because you guys aren't doing as many team activities and certainly really nothing in person, that you have more time to spend on recruiting, and it, just given that you're, this is your first first year, your first class, you're, you're trying to put together, mm-hmm. uh, you know, probably an, uh, a handful of guys that you want to add. Uh, does it, in that sense, does it help you get to where you want to be from uh, the time that you can put in standpoint? Well, I, I think you got to spin it into a positive, and I think what it does is it creates more pockets during the day where we're available you know, at this point in time where it really it's on the recruit to get in touch with you <laughs> in terms of the face-to-face, uh, you know, the FaceTime that, 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 that they like to do. So it's really on the recruits that we're, we're available, you know, during the day for them to get in touch with us. So I, I think that is, you know, a one way that it's being positive. But, you know, there's something about <clears throat> when you have a situation like this, that's the way we are as football coaches is, is – I got more meetings now than I did when I was in person. You know what I mean? And so we're finding ways to be 
active and be on the same page. And because of this thing, we've, we've had to meet a little bit more to ensure that we're all on the same page. And so it's kind of a double-edged sword. You know, on the one hand, we, we're more accessible in terms of being able to recruit these guys. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, I think we're just a little bit busier in terms of our what's on our plate right now. Because, you know, we would have had the whole month of, you know, had a whole month we have already I've been out there recruiting. Mm-hmm. Instead, we're, you know, meeting and doing things like that. So um, it's been a double-edged sword, I think. But uh, and it's, I know I tell you what, that this recruiting thing, it's amazing how much talent there is across the country. It's, re- it's really kind of cool. And what, what's that been like? Because you, um, you normally, as you said, you'd be out evaluating everybody, seeing everybody in person, making sure that the guys that you, you know, thought that you liked a lot on film exactly kind of check out in person. Um, is there are there any sort of initial sort of senses that you have about just kind of this the uniqueness of this year? Yeah, you know, I think in you know, all ways you go back and sometimes you can look at a guy <clears throat> on the hoof and he walks in the door and you just go, oh my god, that's how they should look, and you get excited about their measurements and what they look like, and and I think one of the benefits of this is. is constantly you want to go back and say look at the film the film is the truest measure of whether this person can play for you and uh, whether he has the skill set and whether this guy's got the passion and all those things that you look for and sometimes when you see him in person that can skew that I've just seen it in my entire career you know certain guys walk in the room and it's like they're a better player because they look the part and uh, this kind of prevents you from doing that I mean you got to watch the film it really is is letting the film speak for itself. And I think that's a positive. I, I think that really is a positive. I think when I look at our board and recruiting, I feel very confident in it. I look at it and I say, that's the way it should look. Those are all guys I'd love to coach. And I, it's funny because, you know, maybe one's a little bit taller than the other, and the other one's a little bit faster than the other. <clears throat> but, you know, you're not letting those guys stand next to each other and saying, well, that's why I like them. You're liking them for all the right reasons. So I think – right. The uniqueness of the situation is kind of a positive for me because I'm always really pushing myself to really just continue to let the film speak for itself because that's that's ultimately who that person is. You know, that's that's who that person is. What the film says they are. Right. It also kind of strikes me that you're not the type to uh, follow kind of the herd mentality or the group think when you're looking at a lot of these prospects. Um, in that in that respect, just because you're trying to identify things that you see that know will translate when you get to work with them uh, in terms of the way that they bend and move uh, the, and the length that they have along with that. Right. And, and, Oh, you're a thousand uh, percent. Right. Yeah. You're a thousand percent. Right. And you know, the guy that I came up under Andre Patterson, it was, it was tough for me to learn it because, you know, I've been a football guy my whole life. And so when I see a guy make plays, you just say, Hey, that dude's a player. That guy's a really good player. But Andre was able to help me to really hone in on the movements and the abilities that help defensive ends and defensive tackles, you know, all the defensive linemen really ascend quickly. And so a skill set along with his ability to play the game. So you take two guys and put them next to each other, and one of them's long and can bend, and he's a good player, you know, but he doesn't quite know what he's doing, but he plays with great effort and great enthusiasm. He's not a afraid to be physical and then the guy next to him is shorter shorter armed and he's just i mean he's just running right through people 
And, you know, probably on film, I used to say that that shorter guy was the better player. But now, you know, when I look at it, I see the skill set. You say, okay, this guy's a better player now. But when we put better competition, the guy with the length and the athleticism and the bend, he still has the attitude. He wants to do it. But if you can coach him, his ceiling is way higher. And if you can get him in the right position and just teach him the way, then now you've created something pretty special. And it's it's what we did in Minnesota time after time after time. And obviously everybody knows about uh, Daniil Hunter, but there's there's others just, you know, like him that maybe didn't ascend to that that height because, you know, D's a special guy, but they really did have successful careers and made some money and, and, and helped us win games because we were able to see that skill set in them and get them as free agents or late in the draft. And so that's how I look at it. The stars, to me, you know, I think you guys do a great job of, of putting all that together, and, and it's well done. But there's a, there's, there's a couple of guys, in my opinion, you know, that are more worth the risk that have probably a lower rating, but they have those skill, that skill set that we're looking for. And so that ceiling is going to be a lot higher. And, and that's really, again, it, it makes us different. It's going to make us unique. But also I think we're not pigeonholed because sometimes when you're talking to recruits, they believe the hype and they believe what the teams are telling them, you know, that because you're a four-star, you're ready to go. And they don't realize that there's a whole slew of four- and five-star guys at the back of the draft that we look at every year and say, well, this guy was a big-time recruit. He just never developed. And conversely, there's always that guy that was under-recruited that ends up being special because, you know, they were able to, to do something with themselves. And so we're just looking for the guys that can do what we know it needs to be done at the highest level. And that's that's all we're going to care about. And, and it really just helps us in the long run to just, just have a type and, and have a formula and, and really just establish a culture that way. And also a mentality, right? Because it, there's a uh, a real physical kind of approach to the way that you teach your position that I've noticed, uh, you know, just watching you in spring ball. And it, it's you can't have guys that are just finesse types of guys, right? Like, no, exactly like right. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Athleticism, length, you know, those are all tools that you use, right? And so the thing about it, is, and this is a great – this is exactly why Andre is such a great teacher. He would always ask the, the defensive line, hey, who is the best coach position in football? And people always assume it's, well, quarterback and things of that nature. He says, no, it's the offensive linemen. They're the best coach position in football. They are technicians. They always know how to control their body. They work so hard on their technique because they're the worst athletes on the field. And it's the truth. They know that they just can't use their athleticism to be good players. They have to be technically sound. The problem with defensive linemen is everybody talks to them about being fast and athletic and avoiding contact. The thing that you have to do as defensive linemen is develop that same mentality that, hey, we are going to be technicians, great with our hands, great with angles, great with our body control, and our body position, so now we neutralize the offensive lineman's technique, and now our athleticism can take over. And so we have a downhill, you know, we're going to play on edges to keep the offensive lineman off balance, but we are going to be bearing downhill on the quarterback at all times. We want to make sure that we don't give them space and time to set their feet as offensive linemen to create a pocket, and we also don't want the, the quarterback to be comfortable. We want him to feel that wall moving down on top of him and feel our presence. And we can't do that by, by 
running away from contact. We have to trust our hands, take great angles, and we have to be comfortable fighting in a phone booth. And if you don't have those guys, then essentially you become soft and you become a finesse uh, uh, defensive line. And sometimes you're going to get some pretty, you know, fantastic-looking sacks. You'd be like, oh, my God, that's really cool. But you won't consistently affect the quarterback. And so we're going to coach and we're going to judge our, our success not on sacks. You know, because, like, the best sack guy in, in – in, let's say a guy has a 20-sack season in the NFL. That's unbelievable. He's an all-pro. But he rushed the passer 500 times. So in what sport being successful 20 out of 500, is, is that going to be the pinnacle of your profession? Nowhere. So it's just not, you're not doing it at a high enough rate to where that needs to be the standard. However, pressure affecting the quarterback, you can do consistently. You can do that all the time. And so we can gauge that and judge ourselves on whether or not we're affecting the game based on us affecting or getting to the quarterback and affecting him. And sacking the quarterback, those guys can get the ball out before we can get to them. There's nothing we can do about that. But beating your man and affecting the quarterback every single play, you know, we can we can gauge ourselves on whether or not we're doing a good job based on those parameters. So we don't want to give them space and time to set their feet. We want to get on them now, take the fight to them, be on an edge, be technically sound, and then let our physicality and athleticism take over. Mm-hmm. And I've watched a lot of – uh, defensive line coaches over the years at ASU, and there's just things that are uh, unique about some of your teaching that I've, I've taken right away from spring ball. Uh, the forward lean that you have with players to accentuate mm-hmm. their lengths with their arms and being able to get your, your arms and your hands where you want them, right, against the offensive player. Um, yeah. The battle for you know, getting your hand placement and how that kind of advantages that, right? And also yep. just kind of how how much straight line attack movement without giving too much of your surface area to players. Um, can you just kind of walk through what you see as some of the big technique differences in the way that you teach versus what you think is kind of more commonly the case at this level? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll, I'll just tell you, you go across the country, high school, college, and half of the NFL, to be honest with you, and you say, all right, show me your get-off drill. You know, get on the line and get off the ball. And everybody's going to line up like they're running a 40, and they're going to run a straight line. Mm-hmm. And then I ask you this, where in the game of football is that going to be acceptable? And the truth is it never should be. You should never just get on the line of scrimmage and run straight up the field as a defender. The game of football is played not at night. It's not played straight ahead, and it's not played side to side. It's played everywhere in between on those angles, you know, those sloping angles, inside out, curving angles towards the ball. The best players in football just feel those things and understand them. That's why running backs can feel and hug the line like they're riding a wave. That's how the game of football is played, and we teach our D linemen to play the game straight up the field, north and south, east and west. And so that's what the muscle memory that they build. They line up and they just run straight up the field. The fact of the matter is you should be bearing down on the quarterback. So if you snap the ball, the quarterback setting his feet at six to seven yards, which is typical, and I'm a three technique two or three yards outside that point where the ball snapped, and I'm running straight up the field, how am I going to get to the quarterback? I've got to really change my angle. And everything that we do is bearing down on top of the quarterback. So that's the initial. Our angles are different. That's in the NFL. That's what 
separates the good from the bad is those guys that are running straight up the field like you see it, you know, where they're running 40s just straight up the field. You know, at some point in time at the top of that rush, they're going to have to do something dramatic to get back downhill to the quarterback. For us, we're always taking it to the hoop. You know, it's like watching a, a LeBron and one of the best basketball players, Jordan, when he took it to the hoop, he dipped that shoulder and he was leaning. Baby, he was going to the hoop. and You, gotta, you know what I'm saying? He was taking yeah. it down fast. He wasn't running a straight line and hooking a hard left at Albuquerque. No, 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 no. He was flushing <laughs> down on the hoop. And it's the same thing when we go to the quarterback. Too many defensive linemen are taught to run straight up the field, put their foot in the ground, and then try to come back downhill on the quarterback. And you're, you're negating all your athleticism. It's just a bad position. As far as the body lean, you know, it creates two different things. You know, we always want to be on an edge. We don't want to be inside or outside. We don't want to be down the middle of any of that. You ever watch offensive linemen work? Everything's right in front of them. So they work so hard to keep things square in front of them. But the second you change that plane and you move to an edge, their hands are off balance, their shoulders start to turn, and you stress them out. And so right. that's what you always got to be doing is working on that edge and bearing down towards the quarterback. And then that leaning works twofold because, one, it, it, it lengthens the distance between your number, your chest, and his hand you know, in his chest, so he's got to have longer arms to get to you. But next to that, it's the athletic position. You know, when you take off on a 40, that body lean is, is powerful and explosive, so you can change directions with that. You know, you can really drive and be more powerful than you are standing straight up. That's why they, the bench press is a little overrated if you teach guys how to use their body correctly, you know, especially guys with long arms, because if they have good body lean and good leg drive and good arm extension, man, they can play powerfully. That's the thing with Daniil that we had to get him to realize how powerful he is just because of how he's built. Strong legs, great leg drive, and length. So you don't have to get into a guy and bench press him. All you got to do is extend your hand. You know, you got to throw like a small jab, almost like a rabbit punch. If you get that hand extended on him, you low with the body lean and you accelerate your feet, you become a powerful, powerful man. And so when you get those guys to understand that you know, the angle of your body and where you put it makes you a weapon. It makes you hard to deal with if you're playing aggressively downhill. You get guys to understand that, you know, they really start to gain confidence in who they are, and, and they, they get hungry for more. They really, it, it just puts them at an advantage. Big all offensive line, one of the things I always see on Twitter and Instagram and when kids, you know, even when pros are putting up their drills that they're doing for the offseason, their chest is straight up in the air. You know what I mean? Like they're running yeah. and their chest is straight up in the air and their hands, yeah. even when they're working their hands, their hands never get higher than their chin. And mm -hmm. so they're really not protecting themselves. And even if, like, if I'm an offensive lineman and I just punch him, his, his shoulders are going to go back and he's, he's lost all his momentum. If your shoulders are down and your hands are up by your face, you got a chance to protect your face and your chest and still be aggressively moving where you want to move with power and balance. And everything we do as a defensive line, is going to be efficient in our movement. It's going to be bearing downhill because we're not going to try to waste time or distance. And it's going to be powerful and balanced. That's, that's what we do in all our movements. And we just try to be as efficient as we can. And we also try to make sure that we're always putting our guys in the best position to be successful. And a lot of these defensive line coaches across, they're just, that's not the school that I came from because I worked for Andre. But these other ones are just I don't I don't know the logic behind it is having your chest straight up because you you don't want your D lineman playing like that. 
but you're creating that muscle memory when you drill it. So if you're doing the drill that way, that's what they're going to do on the field. Right. So you got this half your spring ball in, fortunately for you guys, right, which got, gave you a good sense of uh, your personnel. It gave them a sense of you. You started to incorporate a lot of the, the techniques, uh, the scheme, of course, which is transitioning. What's your kind of sense about where your group is at kind of overall right now, especially with this transition to the new defense and players moving, you know, inside. I realize some of those guys played a lot of three techniques before, even that end. But now Jermaine Lole, Steph Wright being out, being, you know, inside, you had your guys on your, on the edges and, and just what is the overall sort of status of your group? Well, you know, first, I mean, we're not even close to where the standard is, you know, and they understand that. I've told them, I told them, the one thing I always promise them, no doubt, is honesty. And so the standard of where we're going to be, it's not even close right now. And, and it's sad that we didn't get a chance because we made so much progress from practice one to seven. And, you know, the first two practices are, you know, very low contact. So it's hard to get a lot of, of, of I don't know, improvement in those two days. So really it's a five practice improvement and it was dramatic. I mean, those guys did an unbelievable job, but it's not even close to the standard. They just, they don't quite understand it and feel it yet. I mean, they have to do it so many times that, that you know, our technique is difficult. It's not complicated, but it's difficult because you got to do it so many times it becomes natural. It becomes uh, muscle memory. And so, um, you know, the scheme is not going to be tough. They're going to be fine on that. But, you know, they've just got to get the technique down to where it's just natural. And, and they did some really good things in the spring. I'm proud of them but it's not even close yet, but they're going to get there. But the thing that I'll tell you this, and there's no doubt about it, like in terms of, you know, Jermaine moving inside and Steph moving inside, they're fine because it's the best thing that ever happened to them. Those guys are going to be way better three techniques than they were in. And I don't know what the production is going to say. I'm just telling you, skill set-wise, mm-hmm. oh, baby, they're, they're, they're right where they belong. Yeah. But character-wise, the guys that I got in that room are first class. I love those dudes. You know, those guys have been through a lot. They've had a lot, a lot of yeah. coaches. Yeah. And I went through something similar when I played, and I told them my last position coach was my best position coach. He changed my life. My, my last head coach was my best head coach, and he changed my life. And I said, look, guys, I can't make you any promises, but I'm going to give you all I got. But let me tell you something. How do you know that you're last, I'm not your last coach and I won't be the best one? How do you know I'm not going to change your life? So the thing is, buy in, let go of all the animosity you may have and just buy in. Submit to what I'm asking you to do and see if it doesn't take you to another level. And within three practices, I could see the whole disposition changing. Those guys were realizing what I could do for them and their game and this group. And they started to walk with a little bit of, of confidence. And by the end of that probably that seventh practice, we were rushing the passer and doing some things. Those guys were having a lot of fun. I was having fun with them. So the character of that room is outstanding. So I think we're going to continue to get better. We can still give, uh, I don't know how good we're going to be, but I'll tell you this, we're going to be disciplined and we're going to give people hell because we got a lot of character in that room. I know that you get limited, very limited Zoom meetings with your players. Um, what kind of things are you talking about with them to try to make sure that they're doing everything that they can so that when you do resume, they haven't really fallen back from a physicality, you know, you know, conditioning standpoint. Well, 
I mean, you got to trust them. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, yeah. you know, there's certain things where I'd like to say, hey, I get to watch them work out, watch them. We're not allowed to. We're allowed to meet with them in a class setting with those Zoomies. So I can't exactly get them all to line up, set up their phones and do drills and stuff. I can't do that. Right, right. It would, it would be fun if I could because, you know, I would. Yeah. But, uh, but we can't. So, and that is, so we got to trust them, you know, and, you know, the biggest thing is, hey, look, if we can't see the body, feed the mind. And make sure that those guys are fed right. And, and we try to, I know with me, I've tried to keep them short and to the point. I've tried my best to make sure that, you know, because we're going to go over this stuff over and over again. So I've tried to mix it up. I've showed them, you know, I got tapes from the Vikings. I got tapes from all across the league uh, that I, you know, part of my studies where, you know, I'll show them today, this is the move I want to show you guys and how, this is why it's effective uh this is a guy that i want to study today and this is why he's effective and so there's some different things you can do to switch it up and uh scheme wise we're trying to you know we're trying to just spoon feed them and give them the first couple of installs so that we have the, the foundation of our defense down but you know this is basically a classroom setting so it's 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 pretty tough because you know you do the meeting so you can go out there and perform but drill-wise, it's a trust deal. You know, it's still you saying, I need you guys to get out there and work on your power steps and hit something every day. And, you know, I know Mary Johnson's a guy who needs to develop that muscle memory in his hands to get them where I want them. And so that's his, that's his choice. Get out there and every single day. If he ain't doing it, then he's hitting himself. But uh, mm-hmm. he tells me he's out there doing it because he's a great kid. So, yeah. But all our guys have been great. They all have a challenge. I've given them all something that they need to work on. We all met and spoke individually at the end of the spring, and we had to, you know, break off, and we knew that this was happening. So they all know what I expect of them, and they're just touching base and asking them periodically, are you doing this, are you doing that? So far, so good. I know everybody's tired of this stuff, but they've been great. They've been great. In college football, a lot of defenses align field and boundary, right, and up front. Mm -hmm. Um, The wider hash marks, kind of being a little different from the NFL. You guys are, are going with left and right, and uh, it seems like you really need great versatility from your ends to be able to do that. Um, can you just talk about any differences that you see from the pro game, pro game to the NFL game, I mean, to the college game in that respect? Oh, yeah. And, and what, yeah, there's, what, there's what you're looking for in both the left and the right sides? Yeah, you know, if I'm being perfectly honest, I and mean, that's the thing is, it can kind of get overblown sometimes, the difference between left and right. In the NFL, those hashes are so close to the middle of the field that you're basically playing from the middle of the field no matter what. Right. And and so that's why left and right was initially implemented. But the one thing that does still carry over is the percentage of right-handed quarterbacks and what is his blind side and what is his front mm-hmm. side. And so, you know, typically offenses tend to be right-handed or left-handed as well. So you, you typically have your best pass uh, pass blocking, tackling guard on very left side, our right side. Sure, that's where you want your juice, and that's that's always going to be where you want your juice coming from. And so that carries over. Um, in terms of field and boundary, you're absolutely a thousand percent right. There's going to be stuff that we do that's field and boundary, and and I'll be fine. I just I'm more comfortable establishing that because of the pass rush aspect of it. And your left end traditionally is the base end which means that he's the guy that you want in front of the tight end, taking on the combinations. He's also the guy you want in a five technique if you run an under front. 
right. a bigger guy can take on combinations and play with his hands and be more of a run-stopping end. And so I'm going to be honest with you, those guys are typically power rushers too because, you know, uh, that's the vision of the quarterback. So a right-handed quarterback, when that tackle gets beat, he can see it. That's the difference between a left and a right. If you're a left and you beat a guy clean, typically the quarterback sees you because you're in his vision. Right. It's a little bit harder, you know. So everybody says, well, it's easier because you're going up against a weaker tackle. Yeah, but you still got some disadvantages because the quarterback can feel you a lot, a lot quicker. And so you don't get as many strip sacks. And so there's give and take to that. But, you know, with the Vikings, we really play with two light ends. You know, Everson Griffin is a light end, but so is Daniel Hunter. Daniel Hunter is that kind of player. And that's what we just kind of did. So they're really kind of pushing, hey, be, be more right end heavy. Um, but your left end typically is more of a base end. He's a guy with probably a longer, tougher, more of a power rushing type guy. And your speed and your juice comes off the right side. So mm-hmm. that's the difference in those two positions. But, you know, again, if you gave me two right ends with some juice, we'd be just fine. But what do you think? You can make it happen. So what do you think about just, uh, the personnel that you've inherited and where you're trying to get to with handling the run, uh, you know, on the uh, on the field side, you know, or, or, you know, being able to attack in the way that you want to um, from both sides? Yeah, the technique's going to carry over. We'll be fine, you know, because we're, I'm going to teach the left end. You know, we're going to flip-flop those guys too, you know, and but I'm going to teach the left end how to play right and the right end how to play left and how to play six technique. Everybody's going to learn every single technique at their position. And so if they give us something funky and our guys end up in that position, they're going to play. There's going to be times where our three techniques have to line up the nose and play effectively and change their technique and play. I got film of it, of the Vikings, with Tom Johnson weighing 270 pounds playing nose tackle, taking on a double team. And he does it like a champ because his hands and his feet are right. Now, that's not nothing that you want for four quarters. Right. But for a down, if you do it with great technique, it would be just fine. And, uh, hell, there's a time or two where we had our nickel package out there, and Brian Robinson, who weighs 260 pounds, had to take on a double team of three technique, and he put his, he put his hands and his feet on there, played it great. <laughs> it wasn't like <laughs> But we got out of the down, man. So if you teach them the right technique, and again, we're gonna we're gonna teach everybody across the board what the proper techniques are. You'll be all right. You'll be fine, and you, you'll survive the down. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I feel perfectly comfortable when a right end ends up in a situation where you got to be a run player. I feel perfectly fine. That's the expectation from the beginning that we're all going to be capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. And so what's your sense just now that you've had some months to work? For Herm, of course, you come from an NFL background, Herm, NFL background, and a lot of the members of the staff uh, also NFL background. I I know when you uh, interviewed with Herm and you saw the opportunity, it was something that you wanted to to jump on. Uh, How has it kind of compared to what you expected going in? No, I think it's exceeded my expectations. I think Herm... I was excited because I I never heard anybody say anything negative about Herm. His reputation is unbelievable in the NFL, and it's just crazy. I think the, the amount of people that care about him and the things that he's done without the media knowing about it, it's kind of wild. Like listening to the story and the people saying, "Well, he did this for me. He did this for me," and I'm not talking about little things. I'm talking about big big things. 
and nobody knows about him. So he's just done right his whole life, and everybody loves him, and I can see why. He's exceeded my expectations. Uh, he's a natural leader. He's also somebody that is great because he allows you to be you and, and really blossom as a person. In my opinion, I've gotten better as a coach here because the first bit of advice coach gave me was, hey, be yourself. This is your time to be yourself. Don't try to be anybody else. You be yourself. That's why you're here. And, man, it's just it's made me better because I feel comfortable, you know, giving my opinion and expressing what I want, what I feel, and it's allowed me to really, really spread my wings and do what I've been training to do for a long time. And so it's exceeded my expectations. I think I was excited to move to the Valley and, and move to Tempe and get down there. And that's exceeded my expectations. The area, I can just, I understand why people retire there. It's beautiful. It's just such a cool place. ASU is, it's a sleeping giant, and we just need to keep feeding that fire. So everything has exceeded my expectations. You know, the only thing that I found to be more difficult that I didn't really anticipate was the time restraints on the kids. Sure. The, the, such a little bit of time that you get just to be a football coach with them. Mm-hmm. So you just got to be efficient, and you're not going to get it all in. Uh, so you got you got to really just you know find out what's important and simplify to the best of your ability. But everything else, you know, Antonio has been awesome. That dude is a rock star. Marvin, I can just it must have been awesome to work for him as well as a head coach because he's just so good at what he does. He's so. He's so good. He's just he's an excellent football coach. And this staff is really they got each other's backs. There's a lot of talent in that room, but there's not a lot of ego and that's fun. That's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It ain't always like that, man. It ain't always like that. So I have actually I've just been so fired up to be here and I just I just hope we can reward coach by by giving him the recruits that he deserves and the team that he deserves. Because uh, he's awesome. I mean, I, I just when they hired him here, I remember being on the outside in, like, man, I wonder if that's going to work. And now I wish the fans knew how lucky they are <laughs> being in that building. You know, I just it's such a good environment, and it's such good X's and O's. It's just good football, man. It's just good, good for a football coach. It's just a, it's really a lot of fun, man. It's what you want for the football coach. Is it? Is it? Um, it's very interesting. Yeah, it's a very diverse coaching staff, right? Just have mm-hmm. people of very like uh eclectic backgrounds and uh you know the 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 age from you know people who are maybe in the twilight of their careers all the way down to some of the youngest coaches in the game and a lot of minorities on the staff and it, yep. it just and you guys all everybody like I've covered I guess maybe four or five staffs at ASU. This one seems to really just be a uh, really get everybody gets along really well and there's a lot of respect and there it's very uh it just seems like a very healthy uh environment i agree and you know what that's what happens when you do that when you when you bring diversity into into a setting there's a lot of grateful people in that building and so there's a lot of dudes that probably in the old school wouldn't have gotten a chance and so you talk about the young guys you know the minority guys and, and, and the older guys, those are old dudes that you get weeded out back in the day, you know? 1985, mm-hmm. those dudes are getting weeded out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Harlem creates that environment where he allows us all to be here, but it's great because here's the thing. Every one of those guys that you described has something to offer, but they also have something to learn. So it's a great opportunity. I'll give you a good example. I walk in, and I'm kind of in the middle, so I'm sitting there and I'm learning some marketing and some of it. 
you know, I come from Mike Zimmer's defense, and it's like, well, I think I know everything about the defense. But Marvin's got stories from before I was with Zim. And, oh, oh yeah, we, we called it this because of this. And, you know, it, it actually came from when I was with the Steelers, and we took this, and we go, holy crap, that's, wow. it makes perfect sense. And so my knowledge has just expanded so much. And it's so funny because Marvin's, you know, some of the stuff that we wanted to do, Andre and I in Minnesota, and Zim just, you know, hey, Zim, we're not real comfortable with that. We're not going to do that. Okay. We bring it up to Marvin, and Marvin's like, oh, hell yeah, let's do that. And we get to try it and do it. And so there's a lot of knowledge I'm getting there. But conversely, you know, Hawk and, and, and Prentice and AT are great recruiters. So I'm going to tell you like this. Day one, I grabbed Prentice. I brought him into my office, and I said, teach me. Teach me how to recruit. Mm-hmm. Pretend I'm five years old and teach me top to bottom how to do a week ago. And so I've learned from those young guys, you know, how to recruit and how the, the way this all works. And even though I recruited before, I said, teach me how, how this is done. Because I know that when I get in front of a kid and develop a relationship, I can put my best foot forward and I can represent this university the right way. And I can show him why this is the right place for him. But you got to show me what, what are the parameters of this whole thing? How does this all work? And I learned so much. Those guys are unbelievable. They work tirelessly. You know, you always think the young guys are kind of cut corners type of dudes. These dudes go the extra mile. They do everything that they can to make sure they're available to their recruits. I and mean, they just do an unbelievable job. So they helped me so much in that aspect. And so I think that's what happened. That's what Han did. He created an environment where we're all bringing something to the table. And if you're willing to open up your mind and your ears and listen and learn, I mean, it's crazy what you've been It's been such a refreshing deal for me because I know how recruiting can be at other places. You know, to be around Antonio, and Antonio was just, hey, cool, I got this, man. Just do this, do this. Don't worry about that. Don't don't take that, you know. The guy, you know, tells you one thing, and then he commits someplace else. You're like, hey, dude, I didn't see it coming. You know, he's not mad about it. But, hey, we'll move on to the next one. Let's go. You know, you're doing a great job with these, with the rest of these guys. Let's keep working. Yeah. I've learned so much from those guys. So, yeah, you're right. We all get along, but we all got something to bring to the table. And we all genuinely are great teammates. I think that's the thing that Herm brought to the table, too, is he surrounded himself. Everybody's been a great team. So we know how to just root for our teammates and help each other out and really care about the team more than ourselves. Really cool. Really cool. Coach, I think our audience has been able to learn a lot as well from this uh, conversation. So really appreciate your time and uh, very much looking forward to getting out there and, and me learning some more from watching the way you teach up your group and um, from everything that you guys are doing out there. Awesome, brother. Keep up the good work, man. Forks up. Okay, appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Robert Rodriguez, and you can also read the Q&A on Sun Devil Stores, as well as other reporting we'll have on the team's defensive line this offseason. Be on the lookout in your feeds for the rest of our position coach interviews in the weeks to come. Thank you for tuning in. Akuna Matata.